the history of personal computing. History, history, history of personal computing. The history of personal computing. Hello, vintage computer enthusiasts, and welcome back to the history of personal computing eBay edition podcast. Instead of being like tour guides at a museum, here we're two collectors and we're looking at things from that vantage point. It's been another two weeks and Jeff and I are back together to take an informal look at personal computing history. What's new with you, Jeff? Well, it says here ch to chatter, but I, I, can't, I don't have to chatter because my chatter. heater is installed. <laughs> uh, my boiler is installed. I got heat now in the basement. I think it was the last time I said I, right, I yeah. was... You're getting ready to that. get heat. Oh, boy, that was a fiasco. One day's worth of work ended up being two days. But that's okay. Still costs me the same. Um, but it's a lot warmer, a lot more efficient now. Uh, I like the new heater, even though I didn't like having to spend the money on it. I think it's best in the long run. But, yeah, now it stays cozy in the basement. So I don't have to chatter Good anymore. For How long can you get out of the new the new boiler, right? Well, it's a new boiler for steam heat system. It's got a 10-year warranty. And the other one was in for at least 10 years. So as long now that I'm the only person owning this one, I can keep up on the maintenance to keep it from failing sooner. So the warranty is good for 10 years. If I just you know keep skimming all the bad water off the top you know, after every season, every heating season, um, okay. it'll stay good forever. Sort of like a, a hot water heater. Literally, yeah, in a way, right? yeah. You gotta eventually, you know, the water brings sediment in, and you just gotta, you know, dump that out or flush that out from time to time. It settles to the bottom, you drain it out, and then fill it with fresh water. Hmm. So you have an announcement for the show? Yes, I do. Um, anybody who's ever followed the biannual retro challenge, um, I announced my upcoming entry for this next session which is for all the month of january they do it twice a year january and july uh, and they open it up for people to come in um you know the month before so december's open open enrollment so to speak um anybody can join it's sort of an informal thing it's basically an excuse to do something retro and i've done things in the past that i couldn't get finished because i tried to bite off more than i can chew so my uh, retro challenge entry this time, and we have we'll have links in the show notes for retro challenge, and in particular uh, my entry. But you'll see a lot of the other people's entries. There's some very talented people doing stuff too. It's, it's a good read on their website. Um, I will be basically, and this is how they got from it. They they basically said I will be um, a teenager again, like back when I was in you know in the early '80s when I was a teenager with my first computer, and I had to type in programs from a magazine if I wanted a, a program. So that's what I will do. I will just use a vintage computer the way I did back then. I have a whole bunch of compute magazines or compute gazette. I still have yet to pick which computer system I'm going to use. But I was about to ask. I will, I will take one of the programs and I will type it in. And I'll even be... You want you know, one with a some, nice keyboard. Yeah, well, I, I was thinking, you know, Vic 20, but then I, I realized I have compute magazines. I could probably do stuff for the uh, TRS 80 Model 4 
But you know, the nostalgia yeah. factor will go up if you use a membrane keyboard computer. Yeah, uh, I do have, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do have um, um, the the Timex Sinclairs. That'd be horrible. It would be horrible, but it'd be the challenge. And the other challenge to it would be uh, I'll save it to tape and not floppy. Ah. The real challenge yeah. there then would be Apple tape or TRS-80 tape, uh, even the Coco, you know, the color computer, because I understand their tape players, you have to get it just right to work. Very cool. And so that starts January 1st, right? It's like It starts January yeah. 1st. Anybody can join if they it, – really, it's all informal. I think they do have prizes. Some people donate a little this, a little that, and they you know, it's an informal pick. As to who wins, it's it's like it's like the Gong Show in a way, you know. It's and everybody gets, gets a participation. All. Unlike the Gong yeah, Show, yeah, I'll get my participation. Everybody gets a <laughs> participation trophy. Yeah, but now there's actually like winners, right? Sort of. There are winners. There's some people who really put forth a good effort, and and then you learn stuff from it too. You know, some people are actually in there to learn themselves, but then they keep a blog of what they're doing for the month, and you learn stuff from it. Um, it's some really good stuff and just, people just do it just to do it and that's kind of how i've been lately it's just it's a good excuse to break out the equipment yeah and do something and write a little blog entry about it yeah all right well i have a so i have a good announcement too is um randy kindig friend of the show friend of mine friend of yours does the floppy yes. days podcast and also on antic the atari 8-bit podcast i think it's the proper name so he volunteered to um read a chapter uh, for the the Stan V, you know, audiobook podcast that I started years ago, and uh, I've only done like a chapter every I don't know year on average maybe, but it's it's the book from 1993, Stan V's History of Personal Computing, and I you know had did five chapters, and um, anyway, so he did he did the sixth one about Kremimco, and uh, and I edited it together. You know, I had to change the the beginning and the end just slightly. You know, say read by Randy Kindig. Anyway, so so that's up. So, cool. so check it out, right. chapter I gotta, six. I got to put that in my list of uh, things to listen to. I'm so backlogged on podcast type stuff. And it's a it's a fairly brief listen. If off the top of my head, I think it's like a little over 17 minutes, so not too long. And he he did a great job. You know, it's always it's such a great book. So it's a good listen. Yeah. And while we're on the subject of, of, of Randy, I one thing I forgot to mention in the past couple podcasts is, and, and I did mention that was at VCF Midwest, but. I always I fail to mention that I met Randy for the first time in person there, and uh, that it was good to finally you know put uh, a real person to the to the voice and to the name. Uh, so, and really really nice guy. I think everybody was busy there. I didn't have much time to chat up a lot, but uh, uh, really good guy. I talked with him for a bit, and uh, it's great to to meet people like that eventually mm -hmm. or you know finally. So I didn't want to forget, you know, because I'm sure he'll he'll be listening to this podcast because we got what at least one listener, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, so if it's if it's him, I just wanted to say I apologize for not mentioning sooner. I should have done that. Uh, and uh, yeah, great so, guy. So anyone listening, it, you know, if you ha if you've never listened to any of them, well now you have six to listen to. And again, a terrific book. Um, uh, well, and also, if you go to the, the link in the show notes to the podcast, there's also a link off to an article I wrote about Stan Veet. So it tells all the history about him and about the book and so on. I won't go into it here. Uh, unfortunately, he died a few years ago. But he lived, I believe he was 90, again, off the top of my head. So he lived a good long life. Um, anyway, check that out, Chapter 6. 
Um, I, I think Randy's going to do some more, you know, sort of uh, not in big hurry, but, you know. Well, he's supposed to wait a year, right? Because, you know. No, right? hopefully not. But <laughs> I, I think he wants to do some more, but leisurely. And, uh, and you know what? It kind of inspires me to try to do another one, you know, soon. So I think we'll I think we'll finally get this book done over time. Still got a lot of chapters left. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's yeah, there are, but I have the bookmark in the book because you know when I I put the art podcast together, I you know I I listened through one time just to make sure he didn't miss anything. I'm I'm certain he did that, but you know what I mean just to make yeah. sure. Oh, I'm reaching down for the book, so I have the bookmark in it, and it's about. It looks like chapter seven took up about forty percent of the book. Wow, so that's I, you know chapter. Yeah, I'm trying to look that's at it right now. So stuff, right? so that ends on page one twelve that chapter seven uh you know what 30 percent maybe 30 35 percent so you know thir- a third of the book because that's not too bad yeah so um all right so that's it so okay so about today's show we are covering two very obscure sort of computers at least for the american market and uh one is particularly obscure uh i don't believe it was ever sold in the u.s the tatung einstein and then also we're going to cover what Amstrad products we find. And some Amstrad products were sold in the U.S., but it was somewhat obscure. And, and again, mostly in the U.K. So the Tatung Einstein was produced by Taiwanese corporation, I hope I'm saying it right, Tatung, and designed in England in 1984. And it was aimed primarily at small businesses. And then Amstrad was also based in the U.K., and they began selling computers in 1984 as well with the CPC line. And also, just to mention, they they purchased Sinclair in 1986. So well, that's um, right, they did. So today, we'll, we're just going to be looking at what we could find on eBay, which was not a lot for either of these. So, so go ahead and take it away, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. We'll start uh, right away. Uh, my first item is now. I've been kind of doing this in the past shows, and I think I'm going to stick with it for the most part. Uh, I tend to pick the stuff on eBay that was sold already, and um, and. Some of these obscure ones is probably our only choices. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've been going with the still active ones, David. I think you were doing that more in the in the previous shows. I don't know if we kind of got into our own personal um, well, I think not, what, not ruts, but habits here. Or what we're trying to do is for like these, you know, for these particular ones, go with the used the sold ones to sort of see if we can determine some values. But then sometimes we just have to pick live ones. And then on the, our additional sort of uh, free for all auctions. I think, I don't know. I didn't tell you the truth this time around. I'm not sure. I think I picked a combination of either. Yeah, the free-for-all can be you know almost anything. I, well, one of my free-for-alls is uh, it makes it fun. a live auction. Um, so anyway, the, the Amstrad, um, the, the only Amstrad computer I actually remember being in front of and using was one when I worked in electronics boutique back before it became, or it was bought out by GameStop, um, when the first electronics boutique in York, Pennsylvania got, uh, uh, when the mall got, uh, one mall got built and then the the first electronics boutique moved in, I worked there uh, shortly after they opened. Um, And they had an Amstrad um, dual floppy disk DOS system. And that's the only thing I ever remembered for Amstrad for many, many years. And I didn't know Amstrad really is just, Maybe I'm wrong at this, but it seems like it's just their name on a bunch of different products. Uh, did they really have a specific line that they uh, they catered to? They did in in the UK and and in Europe with the CPC line, 
but you never but you we never saw those here in the US. So okay. the the one you're going to talk about I in my opinion what I've seen over the years seems to be the most common one you see in the US. Okay. Well, and then, then I cover one and which I've owned what well, anyway I'll get to when I get to mine but go okay. ahead. Uh, the first that seems one to be I... the most common one though, right? Didn't you notice that? There's a bunch the, of those that sold. Yeah, the, it's the Amstrad NC100. Oh, gee, I wonder where they're trying to get that 100 name from, like the Tandy Model 100, because it's a similar device. It's a portable laptop computer. I believe it's proprietary. Um, so it has a small but very wide LCD display. Looks like it's about eight or ten lines. And then it's in a compact unit with a, a full-size um, standard keyboard. And this one says, very old working, good condition for its age. Some marks and bruises on the casing. And let's see, what did it go for? It won for $29.95 Australian, which is $21.64 in the U.S. But this was sold on the Australian eBay um, so it would have cost me forty or thirty-five eighteen U.S. to have it shipped here if I wanted it. But oh, I'm looking yeah. at the wrong one. I'm going like, how come? All right, I actually I clicked on the second one by mistake. I clicked on the first one. Okay, yeah, I'm there now. <laughs> I didn't hit the random button. Okay, yeah. Okay, so now now we gave everybody a clue to what's coming up next. And yeah, this kind of reminds me of. Yeah, I'm the, sorry. The second one's the one that's the most of. I think. Okay. Right? Yeah, the more I'll find out ones. when I get there. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I messed up. I'm, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it a secret oh, but that, to myself. That NC100 is very interesting looking, though. For it the... really reminds me of a, a TRS80 Model 100 and its functionality. Yeah, it kind of has a nicer uh, display, though. It's yeah, it's I got a cooler different. display. It looks like it's a little more bold, and it's probably newer. Uh, there's not too many pictures of like the back. I was trying to see if oh, what year it's from? Have for expansion ports. Uh, but it does have a uh, CR2032 battery uh, cover or some, one of those flat batteries for probably uh, memory backup. But it, it looks like it has a uh, function key, although it doesn't have real function keys. It has shifted numbers for function keys. But huh. it looks like it has a function key template pre-printed onto the display for uh, find, replace, layout. So it's probably a little portable word processor with a calendar. Um, yeah. And what else? Made in Japan, 1992. Oh, okay. So it's that new. Wow. Yeah. So it's, I, I want to say this is like, there's some other companies sold sort of variations of this same thing. Maybe, maybe it's made like by NEC or something. I'm completely guessing, but. But it's interesting because I'm looking, I just scrolled down to see more from the same seller and the guy sells leather crafts <laughs> stuff. All his other stuff is leather craft. And then he has this uh, Amstrad. Uh, kind of like Radio Shack. <laughs> exactly. See, <laughs> <laughs> so this is, yeah, like the Tandy Model 100. Okay. Um, yeah, it's one of those early 90s all-in-one portable office assistant devices before Palm came out, but after Casio came out with their little uh, things, the electronic Rolodex. Second item. This is the one you were talking about. Yeah. You see most of and i agree with that now i apparently put the links into the end listing and not the original listing so when you follow these links you might have to click on see original listing this is yeah this is much uh much bigger much nicer the ppc 
640D with the Super Twist LCD display. Yeah, so like these were sold in the States. Yes. And this was what, a DOS machine or had its own? Stuff? It was DOS. It was DOS, okay. Yes. Oh, there it is. Uh, please set time of date. Please fit new batteries. Uh, Very unique design with uh, so that the keyboard part of it, it folded up. Yeah, so, it flipped so, out or something like that. Yeah, and, and then, then the screen flipped up, which makes me think of, um, I don't know what kind of cars. Remember, you know, it was really cool in the 80s for, you know, cars that flip up headlights. But there are a couple oh, of exceptions. Yeah, Nissan like, had a few of but those. they flipped uh, the other direction. The lights would f fold back into the hood and flip up that way. What was it? The Like the, a Porsche uh, had round ones that did that and... Were they, well, they, they rolled sideways or something like that? No, where, you know, when you think of a, a car with pop-up headlights, it's yeah. like um, the, the little flaps pop up and now the headlights are pointing straight out. Yeah. Like the Corvette type of lights. Oh, okay. And there's okay. a couple of cars yeah. where they had... They rolled almost 360. Well, no, and there's another car. I know the Porsche had big round ones like this where the, the headlights are, you know, are folded, are like pointing forwards and then they, they, they go backwards and lay flat on the hood like the way this laptop display does on it on the unit okay i think it I pops up that way it. sort of anyway, yes it, off the it, top it lays flat and then and yeah it tilts forward to shine down on the road yeah so this if is they were turned on without that they would shine into the sky yeah right? okay yeah i think i remember that i was thinking some of the little different ones that tumbled around almost 270 degrees and i remember subaru had a uh they called it a turbo xt mm -hmm. um, yeah and the, and the Subaru had a set of lights that would roll around 270 degrees to come out. Uh, but I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, they would just kind of lay back. But I can't think of any other portable computer that the screen folds down like that and then folds up I, that I can think of, you know. So it's a pretty unique design. And then allows it to fold in half, basically. You fold that down and fold the keyboard over top of the whole thing. And it's like yeah, it protects a, it and... a little briefcase. I always wanted one of these. I've never had one of these. Well, you could have one. had one for $59. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I don't think this sold. Interesting. Uh, $59, and then for me, it would have been thirty-seven ninety-three shipping. Uh, yeah. Does the guy still have it for sale? I'm looking at his current stuff. He has a lot of interesting stuff. So off the top of my head, I want to say they only have the one picture. I want to say this is from. Well, again, they have I'm several. Guessing... Pictures. You have to scroll down. Oh, he, oh, yeah. He uses there the Octiva right. was Octiva or whatever website. Oh, this guy sells a whole bunch of uh, vacuum tubes too. It's like nineteen eighty. I want to say eighty six, maybe or something like that. Maybe when this one came out. Yeah, just enough to be DOS, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and if um, you need an XT system, it, it would be perfect. And oh, I think most of the stuff you saw that from Amstrad that was sold in the States, it was from that sort of that time frame, late 80s. Yes, the the one that was at that electronics boutique, that was in 1990, and it was a rather old machine then, too. They just, they just quickly put it into the store because it allowed people to try out some of the DOS software. Uh -huh. The thing was slow. I mean, it boot off of a floppy, and you type, um, you know, you type DIR, the, the drive light will come on, it'll show you the directory, and then it'll sit and spin for another 15 seconds for no apparent reason with the drive light on. Uh, it's just really weird. And there's a date, by the way, on the one display. It says uh, Amstrad Portable PC 640K, and then it says copyright 1987. Okay. I guess for the BIOS. I clicked away from that there because I was looking at the guy's other stuff to see if he uh, posted it again. But he has a whole weird collection of stuff. 
It almost like he takes he takes electronic recycling and resells it. I might have to bookmark this. There might be some interesting stuff. Especially those vacuum tubes. <laughs> hey, I got a few items that might need to uh, have the vacuum tubes replaced. Or I can just make a steampunk costume. Anyway, so yeah, that's the more popular Amstrad system. Just some sort of personal, portable, businessy, capable DOS machine. So you, you might be able to play games, but I don't think they'll look good on the screen. Mm. Unless it had an external um, output, which it probably did. Probably CGA. Right, I think so. And moving on to the next one. Because, it, yeah, it was basically an XT, which there's yeah. tons of those inexpensive sort of entry-level PCs. And so and many clones. different companies made them, but they worked well for what they were designed for. Yeah. You really couldn't mess up the XT specs. No, uh, but of course, by 1987, late 80s, I was getting pretty... Uh, I was getting slow. Well, even, yeah, in 88, I had a portable XT laptop, a Toshiba T1000. Um, spent a fortune for it, but it played F-19 Stealth Fighter. Um, so that made me happy. Of course, I only I can only run it off of floppy. Uh, but it, it worked. But it had that bluish display. Uh, the backlit blue display it was it was cool at the time. But you know, I, right? I wouldn't want to stand or sit in front of that for ages these days. Anyway, my last item is the Tatung Tatung Einstein TC01. This says computer only. Now this one is was in. Uh, in Telford, Shropshire, Shropshire, yeah, Shropshire. It's in the Shire, and this—he says it's computer only. This is the first time I've seen this particular model. Um, it has a lot of features that I'm that look familiar, like the graphic characters on the keyboard, a la Commodore, and it looks like it has a cartridge slot on the left. Is that what that is? Oh yeah, cartridge or I maybe a so. special high-speed tape. Because it looks too thick to be a floppy drive. Yeah, because it has a, it has a side one and a side two. Oh, maybe it's a special tape, storage tape, because it does not look like a standard cassette tape, unless it's put um, tape side in. It just looks a little too small. It might have been some custom tape, like a two inch or something like that. Oh, and just by the way, because I know I know when uh, he says the items in Telford, Shropshire, UK. Yes, and I know that sounds familiar because I grabbed the little intro out of Wikipedia. So um, these were all assembled in uh, Bridge, Bridge North, and Telford, England. Okay, so this so that makes sense where it came something from. Something a worker uh, there had for the longest time and is selling it. it. Says insert disc on the screen. It has a screenshot here. Insert disc and drive zero uh, or drive diamond. Uh, looks like a little diamond, and press control break to load. Yeah, and the so fact anyway, that it works, I mean, for what, yeah. it's $165 US, doesn't seem too bad, really. No, for, for something that's obscure in, in this area, that would, you know, the right collector would definitely pick that up. Um, if I had room for something like that, I'd, I'd consider 165 a decent price for something that really never showed up in the States, and it works, and it'd be cool to play around with or just, you know, you know, whatever, you know, just don't store it somewhere where it gets all dirty and dusty. And the guy even opens up the uh, case for it, too. It looks like it has an RF modulator, so it can hook up to a television. 
but it also has RGB out to his uh, you see external discs. I'm curious about the discs. It, it just looks custom. It looks um, unique or like one of those smaller discs that they used for like Olivetti typewriters and those portable yeah. typewriters. Could it be for a while? I think there was like a two inch disc drive. Yeah, like a mini disc. That was you, or yeah, may, or maybe it's like a wafer disc or something. Yep, a stringy, floppy oh, sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah, some marketing thing. And the guy doesn't explain in his description about that. I, I, I would assume people who know about these know what that is. Uh, and shipping from you, if you know, ninety one dollars. So yeah, this would have cost me uh, close to. Um, two hundred and sixty, two hundred fifty, two hundred sixty dollars to get, but it looks like it's in great condition. I don't know how many different uh, Einstein models there were, but this one looks like a great specimen, except for the fact that it's two twenty, two hundred twenty volts only. It has a direct plug in, so to use it in the United States, you'd have to get a step up transformer, right? Or and a plug adapter. Well, redo the transformer. I mean, redo the power supply. It looks like you could probably fit a modern-day switching power supply in here. Uh, refit it. It won't be original, but you could probably refit it. Or maybe the switching power supply in here has its own internal 120 jumper. How much do one of those, uh, like a step-up device, cost? Where you could buy one, right? Where because see, you know, we lived in Germany for a couple of years, and we used to buy uh, that sort of thing for our American stuff. Well, you would buy a step down. down yeah. And they weren't and very expensive at the time. They weren't, but I don't know if I'd run something like this off of any one of those devices because they, they really don't produce that much power. You're going to have a loss one way or the other. Um, oh, I was going to say because I did in the in Germany, but it but it was stepping it up. Or was it stepping? Oh, did it stepping work? stepping down is what you did. You know, when you went to two twenty to one twenty, you stepped down. So uh, using Ohm's law. Oh yeah, I stepped the, up there. If you yeah, if you basically oh, no, you're right, the voltage, <laughs> you roll a thumb, you double the power available. Yeah. So you have pretty much double the wattage. There's going to be some loss in the conversion. Well, the other way around is if you have a, a step-up transformer, uh, you're going to basically lose half the capable wattage of the transformer. So if transformer, well, they would they would rate it anyway, you know, it would probably be if, if the transformer with this plugged in draws um, 60 watts, um, then it's going to be drawing 120 watts through. Getting too technical. It, it's, yeah, it's getting late. I'm not going <laughs> to. There's some rule of thumbs with the conversions. You know, so I know that we lose... didn't really have too much problem with it other than. But those like... little wall wart ones that convert, probably, mm -hmm. even if it does go the other way, probably won't hold up to the power needs for this thing uh, I'll, well I'll that talk. i wouldn't think is is that much it's like it you could, we could never use irons or oh no, no hair dryers or crazy or stuff like that you had to buy watts. you know a german yeah, one that would that would definitely be a problem but looking at the inside of this you can pick up small power supplies that you can retrofit into this it's like the same kind of power supply as they use for do-it-yourself 3d printers because um, you'll get your five volts, like a, 12 volts off of it it's probably like what, 125 watts or something. 100 wouldn't look too big. Actually, it does say on the back, it draws 30 watts. 
So actually, you know, you, that's not a whole lot. No. You might be able to, if, if you can get like the reverse stepper thing, which you won't find here so much as you'd find uh, somebody from Germany traveling to the U.S. Um, would need to power their 220 devices on 120 volts. Yeah, one of those, a, a decent one will probably power this. I, I thought this was going to draw more, but no, 30 watts, that's not all that bad. How do you like that motherboard? That doesn't look it's like neat, a WAS yeah. design. <laughs> no, he's got a row of chips going one direction, a row of chips going the other. Yeah. It looks kind of cool. Yeah, it's just, I guess you can kind of tell. And it's, it's very speaker. different. All right. Let's see. Little out of my price range, though. So let's see what I found. Yeah, I didn't see your stuff yet. Let's take a look at it. So I found, so, you know, you, you picked yours out first. When I got when I went to pick mine out, so I kind of found the same thing that mostly um, a few more of those NC one hundred Amstrads, a bunch of the of the Amstrad PPC six forty Ds. There's those discs, and then I only found one other ten tongue. So tatung. So let's look at that one. I think I only found one. There might have been one other one. Oh, that's right. There was one other one like yours, but I found one that was only one that was sort of unique and it is in uh oh it looks the same guy oh it's the same guy all right so mine's he a, must have worked there mine's a tatung einstein 256 computer box and extra software classic game disc oh the discs were three inch discs oh there you go were, i think that's what, I, that's what i meant to with, say they were compatible with the amstrad disc drives so three inch disc i said two inch but that's what size. i meant to say is that was that an oddball diskette there for yep. a while it's not a Sony side and it's flippable. Yeah. So you don't have to cheat. Yeah. Now, what do you notice about looking at, at this one, which is really, it looks brand new. It does. It what's well, in the plastic. So I took it out what does place. it look like to you though? Does it look sort of like the design sort of does strike? It look familiar. It looks like a Commodore 65. Y yes. Because of that disc drive placement. Yeah. But how about like, look at the little arrow keys under the disc drive, that, that sort of design style. Oh, does that make you think of, yeah, MSX. Oh, MSX, yeah. That's that it. we just covered? Yeah. So I'm wondering if it was sort of inspired by that design. Oh, I don't know if it has anything to do with it. Original box, too. Yeah, this thing is really clean, nice looking. Yeah, I think it's practically brand new in the box. So it's selling for uh, 250 pounds. Buy it now, which is about $380. Or make offer. I've always loved yep. the make offer ones. So shipping is about 91 bucks to me if I wanted to buy it. Drive so, belts had to be replaced. Yeah, that rubber dissolves. It goes back to its original state of matter. The person, you know, he might have been a, a like a tech. Maybe. Oh, there. that could be. Yeah. If they made him there. They maybe they uh, fixed or him or employee too. number seven. So or what's that? Like that? Do you see that? Huh? You see no, that no. I was, I was going to say maybe he's one of those early employees in the company that has like one of everything. Oh yeah. So um, it's fully working, fully tested, replace the drive belts. I mean, if you wanted a, a nice example of a Tatung, then this, this one is it. This isn't an Einstein, though. So No, this required an external power supply. I'm reading here where it says it was designed to be used with the TM11 monitor, like the Amstrad CPC computers use. It got its power from the monitor. Oh. So you'll have to. Now, see, though, this is where you can then convert it for U.S. use. Oh yeah. Uh, all you need is the voltages, and you can get you know switching power supplies, um, rather cheap. 
or you can just take a computer power supply and just rewire it you know to the connectors that would need to fit here that's what i did with a commodore amiga once where the original power supply went bad i just took a pc power supply it looks ugly but it works and so this person by the way you know in his description stuff talk so he sort of specializes in tatung and uh cpc and all that so he's got 44 items up and a bunch of tatung einstein software uh here's a game for the amstrad pcw and some magazines and stuff. He's got he's got Einstein user magazines and stuff too. Oh, neat. so okay. good resource if you're looking for any of that. Well, those discs look funny. They're like elongated. Yeah, like they have a, a tab handle. Yeah. as part of its case. So I wonder if you just push them in and pull them out. I think so. A bit less, or like a cartridge versus yeah. The in a way, it almost seems like a little magnetic cartridge. Yeah, I've never seen one of those in real life, so I think they were mostly over just over there. All right, so. Okay, so I found that one. Let's see who this one's by. And then for Amstrad, I mostly found, again, the, the two you found. But, but I came across this one, and it's being sold out of Spain. It is an Amstrad CPC 6128, so a slightly later variation of their CPC line. I think the 464 is the original one. I'm assuming, you know, 64K, and this one's 128K. Yeah. So oh, the, the naming is... Like yeah, this has got a, mon a color monitor... Trace Discos, so three discettes, uh, Espan Española version. So, oh, I see. It has the N with the little wavy line above it. It's one hundred and sixty-four dollars in U.S. and varies delivery. So it doesn't. I'd have to look it up, see how much it would, you know, it would cost. If you're really interested, though, you can go check it out and see. Oh, look, this has got those three-inch disc drive cartridges too. Yeah, the CF2s. That's neat. So this, uh. The colors actually look pretty good on it. It kind of reminds you of the late 80s mm -hmm. uh, video game colors. It also has that other, um, that sort of, the way the disk drive works. Yeah, look how thin it is, the disk drive. So again, it makes you think where even though these are disk drives, it's sort of handling the media more like a uh, cartridge or like we're our Like pack. a smart card type. Yeah, yeah we're, like those PCMCIA cards. Yeah, it doesn't have to be designed where it sucks the disc inside of it and has to have all the other mechanisms and stuff, if that makes sense. I wonder if that was a problem for people who who have owned these. Uh, I mean, considering where they were sold over in Europe, of course, if you went to the store, even in the 80s, to try to buy these discs, you would have been out of luck. Yeah. But were they very popular, very common um, across the pond there? It's a real nice screenshots there. That one picture looks pretty cool. Yeah, with like the video game graphics and stuff, looks really nice. Oh, look at the uh, the very last bottom picture where like the woman's walking, like from yeah. the ocean, and then looks right like underneath a Sega, there, Sega arcade exactly. Game from but it looks like it's like 80s. a heart underneath the water. Do you see that? Like a heart with the arteries and stuff. Oh, okay, pumping heart or something. Just just underneath the surface. I see what you mean. Yeah, it looks like a human heart with like they tried to. Put that motif in there. Yeah. So there you go. There's a good example of the CPC line of Amstrad. And um, I do know when my wife and I lived in Germany, so this is 1991 to 93, and I would uh, I couldn't really read German too well, but I would sometimes check out the, like, the little free papers and the newspaper and everything else and look at the for sale. And there was yeah. always an, uh, you know, CPCs for sale. So was, that was really popular. In, in Germany too, so it was it was sort of like their Commodore sixty four. 
Yeah, so I want to say. Thinking it's like buying this C64 here. You, you can't you can't step anywhere without stepping on one of them. So the last one I have that's, you know, out of the three we pick to our um It's close to home. Our topic, I want to say, our uh you know, featured machines. Yeah, yeah, so this says rare vintage Amstrad PC 1640 DD system unit computer untested. And um, it's kind of very dirty too. But this one was sold in the American market in the late 80s. It's again, another sort of XT clone. This one has a hard drive in it. Um, I had one and I think mine was a 1512 because it had 512K of RAM. This has got 640 and mine had two disk drives versus it didn't have a hard drive. But um, yeah, this one, it didn't have a keyboard and uh, it doesn't have the, yeah, I don't think you have to have its monitor, you know, the, the Amstrad monitor to work with it, but the Amstrad monitor fit on the top in the little, in that little cutout area. Oh, just right. special. Okay. Look how dirty it is. Jeez. Other than that, it's probably CGA. They couldn't have taken yeah, a little this... Windex to it before they take a picture. This is in Reading, Pennsylvania. I'll be, I'll actually be driving through there tomorrow. Well, go get it. Yeah, <laughs> it's twenty. It's fifty. It's half price. It's half price. That's right. I'm saving money buying it. It was one hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> now it's seventy five. Which you know, if you had a monitor and other stuff to go with it, it might be okay. That reminds me, I have a Commodore sixty fours I want to sell. I should put them in as two hundred, and then take eighty percent off. But I recently, my unit all worked really well. It was in good shape, and again, Not it was yellow. The, uh, yeah, a little bit, but it wasn't bad. But it was a PC one five one two DD, and um, I sold it to someone at the the Atlanta Historical Computer Society group. And what was unique about it is I remember seeing these. They sold them through the J.C. Penney's catalog. Did and, they? Yep. And I remember seeing them just in passing. Um, you know, you'd go into a J.C. Penney's, and if you went, if you went to the customer service or the catalog area, they'd have like stuff on display behind that counter of st you know things that you could order in the catalog and i remember seeing the system set up in some jc penny somewhere and um and i'm and i remember seeing them advertised and just you know in passing thought that was kind of interesting and then of course later on i started collecting computers anyway the one i ultimately got was one of those one of those that was in the catalog area and okay. I, I think I bought it off eBay years ago, and it actually had the stickers on the bottom of it where J.C. Penney's had marked it down, marked it down, marked it down, and then, um, you know, it finally was, I guess, sold or whatever. Because I don't, they didn't have like a computer department, so what there wasn't like it wasn't on the floor per se. It must, Chris, I don't know this hundred percent. It was in it was in the catalog area. Yeah, Penny stopped selling computers in the mid '80s. Yeah, other than like a few things through the catalog. I bought my first TI-99 at JCPenney. I want to say this is probably one of the last systems they were selling, which obviously didn't do very well. So they, uh, I think they knocked it off. So their their buyer picked a, the wrong, they, they did not pick a winner. And after this series of computers, I don't think Amstrad tried to sell anything in the States anymore either. No, but this Amstrad here would be similar to like the one that I used at electronics boutique you know come to think of it this could have this could have been like the one you were talking about it's really been a while and i've only ever seen it with its monitor on top but now that i look at it it was two floppy drives in the front in a similar shape so yeah it is probably very similar to the one you described that you had yeah and you see they say they don't have the right power supply for it and uh see this is i should dirty on the inside I almost want to say that this too used a monitor for its power, but I'm not sure about that. It, I don't know, it could it have been a unique... on what's in that. I can't zoom in on that uh, 
connection on the top it almost makes you wonder. It looks like there is two tabs, metal tabs in there. Well, I think all that is is a battery backup. So just oh, two, okay, so that two double A's went there. Okay, and then you put a cover on that. Then the monitor sat on yeah, top sat of, on top of in, it in the socket. Yeah. Now I'm kind of masking out the the top of it. Uh, I kind of my hands, and, and this this is really close to what I saw. Um, at electronics boutique store it was only in there for like a month before they removed it um so i didn't get to look at it for a long period of my life but yeah it was this style um except it had black drives instead of the the beige lighter color the beige the boring beige drives and it was too floppy side by side but it it was just slow and responsive that floppy drive would stay running for a long time after you did any drive commands with it well, so much, so much for Amstrad and the Tatung Einstein. <laughs> Watch it. Take us into our uh, bonus the additional options. This one, I stumbled across this and I thought, okay, I, I have to show this one. And oh, yeah, I call I'm going there now. Let's see vintage homemade oh, computer with a bunch of question marks. So I looked closely at it and read it, read the instructions, or read the description. And the only reason why I added it is because it said it has a 6502. Um, this did they change did they change the title since you 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 chose it? It says here vintage homemade electronic device. Yeah. I called it the vintage homemade and then I put computer okay. with the uh, in the quotes because just because Oh right. <laughs> this looks like either somebody's homebrew 6502 microprocessor trainer or they may have built something similar from like a popular electronics or radio electronics magazine. But that's what this looks like, a homebrew or a home-built uh, 6502 trainer because it has the hex keypad and it has an LED display uh, kind of like a Kim 1. And the Kim 1 used a 6502. This could have been a clone. Huh. I don't know. It's just really interesting. Somebody got it for ten, ten bucks. bucks, and it's really dirty. It's been sitting around it's somewhere. Really dirty, but you but could clean that like, up. Yeah, and it's like, wow, <laughs> this would have been neat to play around with. Um, yeah, it says untested. Not even sure what it's supposed to do. So I'm looking at it. it has a forty-two seventy-eight, one forty-two seventy-eight. Is that is that EEPROM? It looks like it. Was there any empty sockets on it? No. Do you it think like though it it, it's like corroded? It looks like it was really sitting somewhere. Actually, it looks good. like it got dusty. Well, it, like it didn't look like maybe it's been weathered, like, you know, moisture and everything else. Uh, yeah, like stored in a garage that yeah. didn't have any environmental control. Like yeah, a, Like the, the little loose board that's above the keypad. If you yep. look, and then right in the middle is like an orange capacitor. Yep. And then to the left of that is like a little thing with a bunch of little... Resistors in it. Is that those resistors? Don't those things, like, they look yeah. kind of like not in good it shape. It looks like they have a, a thin layer of um, caked on dirt. Yeah, it could just be dirt, dirt and dust, and they might be fine, but hopefully it's not like but that. Yeah, you know, for 10 bucks, you know, had I have seen something like this myself, I would have probably gone for it for 10 bucks, even though it costs 13 bucks to ship it here. <laughs> this is something unique. And, and then growing up reading those, you know, popular electronics and radio electronics magazines where you can build your own electronic stuff. I do remember a few issues having this build your own microprocessor computer type thing, and it would use the 6502 or would use the Z80. Right. And this could have very well been somebody adapting one of those projects and, and built their own. Right. Neat stuff. But it looks like it has a 
25 a db25 cable so that could be serial io it was pretty Sorry. neat i bet you it was cool in its day oh yeah it's probably cool now i wonder what oh yeah uh, the winning bidder since they don't tell you that stuff i wonder what the winning bidder is doing with it but yeah that's a I, I that deserved to go in i just thought that that's neat and unique um now something a little less dirty um a rare because everything on ebay is rare sol 20 s100 computer ships worldwide and this thing looks like it's almost been repainted um i just that's the first thing i there's no way that's not the original color it's, it's pretty bright <laughs> yeah and look how shiny it is it's like someone it's very shiny put like an automotive finish on it why would yeah, somebody do it. that i was trying to and what is with the pl259 connector on the back i mean the so238 connector it looks like it has an antenna connector on the back does have a built-in CB? Why did? Yeah, I'm trying to. Let me trying to get to it here. Let's see. Why did someone paint it, comes it like out of that? Why area? I mean, come on. It's easy to look at pictures online. I mean, I unless someone did that a long time ago or something. It is possible someone did it a long time ago to make it cool. Yeah, but um, I mean, isn't anytime it's original color or blue of some sort, just not this. Yeah, vivid? it was pretty much. If memory serves me, it was, you know, the sort of standard, I'll call it, you know, the IBM blue. Yeah. Or MSI well, we, blue. We covered this on some other syndicated podcast show. Yeah. yeah I'm looking it up right now. So, you, you know. I'm trying to I guess it's not that, that off. It's just, yeah, it's just darker and all, and all like shiny. It's, it's bold. But I'm still trying to figure out that SO238 connector on the back. It's. Almost like, see, I that would be the same kind of connectors I have on my ham radios. I would hook an antenna to that. But looking at the cover off picture, it looks like that is going into the power supply area. Unless they're using it as a weird tap for 12 volts. Well, what do you think of the price? So they have a buy it now. A little out of my, yeah, a little out of my price range. I'll offer them 25 bucks. But I mean, do you think that's that's fair? I don't remember the pricing for the soul. Um, I think, I think, but yeah, a thousand bucks. I mean, around a thousand dollars. It better be original paint. Yeah. That's kind of the thing. If it's a working, uh, soul 20 S 100 system, the sides look nice. Even if they, if they've been redone, somebody did a good job at it. Uh, it's got that same front label, this soul terminal computer label. I would, venture to say this is probably worth more like 700 750 in full working condition hmm. yeah i gotta think the paint job uh, you know maybe i've been watching too much antiques road show <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> i think they, i think that kind of ruins its value in a lot of ways i know i wouldn't want it i mean someone gave it, it to the patina oh yeah here's another I mean, if i could pick it up cheap one. or someone gave it to me i'd be like okay this is cool and i'd leave it like that and all but otherwise i'd want one that looks authentic you know and on my page here it says people who viewed this item also viewed and they do have a salt 20 collector's item for almost twice the price that has a paler blue to it yeah like i'm saying i think uh, you know a working one in, in nice good clean conditions gotta be worth over a thousand dollars Okay. Just just off the top of my head. I know it's been a while since we did the other show. But I can't see the backside of this one to see if it has that SO two thirty eight connector. But all right. 
But it's interesting that you picked that because I also picked an S100 machine. Uh, basically, I picked two Kremenko machines because uh, of the new Stan Veet uh, episode chapter. Well, absolutely, yeah. It made me think of that. I was like, oh, what can I pick? You know, so so if you look at my first one here. It's actually, rare because it's on eBay. Yeah. Well, actually, it is that I think it shows you what that proper blue is like. Yep. Or somewhat close to it. So this is a rare Kremenko. This really is rare. It's a little muted. Yeah. Kremenko Z1 S100 computer. Oh, and it's and, clean. Um, so, you know, the earliest Kremenkos, and you'll you'll hear about this in the podcast, audiobook, is that um, they took MSI cases, basically, and created the first Kremenko computer with it. So that's why it looks exactly like a, a MSI 8080, other than it says Kremenko Z1 on the front. Yeah, that's uh, pretty interesting they did it that way. But this one's really clean. I... Oh, yeah. And it's got it's got ZPU in it, which is Kremenko's board, and it's got all Kremenko stuff in it. Because, you know, they made all the different accessories and they put it together into a computer. So this is, now they want, I think it's the same seller too, Vintage Computer Museum. 3600 Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd have to really, for look into it some more, that might not be too crazy. It's definitely on the high side. Oh, I'm in no position to argue the price for its actual value, but I, I wouldn't want one of these for that price. No, no. I mean, me either, but it is really cool. It's kind of, in it, one sense, it seems kind of boring because it's, you know, it's like, well, it's just a rip-off MSI, which <laughs> it isn't, but it's an, it, but its case isn't unique. But, you know, that's also kind of interesting about it on the other side because, you know, they took all their, you know, they finally built all the components to make their own computer. Yeah, third-party card sales and then turn it into their own computer. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. That's... So capitalism um, and our listeners, you know, we would love to hear from you if you have any opinions about these values or anything else. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just don't expect us to buy yours for $3,600. Yeah. It's all supply and demand. So that's the thing though. I, even though this is a very interesting, I demand a better supply of them. Well, it's a very interesting old computer and it's got a great, you know, interesting story behind it. Not this one specific, you know, this particular one per se, just this model or thing. But it doesn't mean that it was particularly um, significant, like an MSI 8080 or an Altair. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's, it played its, it's role, like but one of the first clones. Yeah. All right. And my other one, and it's also uh, talked about in the the audiobook podcast. So I, I went with a board. This one is Kremenko's Rare, of course, which, you know, arguably it is fairly rare. Oh, look, same same Finnish Computer same Museum, which is out of uh, West Falls, New York, by the way. So this is the Kremenko 8K Byte Saver S100 board, 1975. And so they're asking $199 for it, which, you know what? Their prices are really high with a lot of stuff. I would, my gut tells me, and just I'd argue that's not too crazy for this. Really? For the board? Well, even though it's a board, it was a this was a very significant board. Um, and you can see it's got two of the uh, EPROMs on there. So, so it booted off of that? Yep. Basically, okay. basically, you're looking at the very first primitive BIOS. Okay. So, so yeah, I can see where that was. Uh, I guess where that's where the byte saver part came from. It takes yeah, the you could, operating you could... system out of your RAM. No, it wasn't the operating system. It was the bootstrap loader. 
Well, either okay, and and some of that other stuff. All right. that would so you didn't um, have to you didn't have to run that through your uh, tape reader or your uh, um, punch right. paper to bootstrap it. So not to insult anyone's intelligence who, you know, may already know this in our audience, but you know when we use the term boot up. A computer where of course nowadays we're used to it well it boots up when the computer finds the operating system and yes that is what happens <laughs> but in the old days when you turn the computer on it did nothing until you quote unquote booted it and, or and boot was short for bootstrap loaded it that means where you had to sort of essentially that's what the bios does right in a pc is yep. you had to tell it how to be a computer like hey you've got this connected and this connected and look yeah, yeah there's a disk drive over there look at a disk drive and see if there's an operating system so that's what the that's what this sort of did in the early and days. Control passes off to the uh, kernel. Yeah, and you know the Sol twenty was also um, I think had an equip. Um, mm, can you remember that? Remember the Sol twenty had a special feature like a ROM chip in it that sort of was an early BIOS as well. Yeah, they were starting. To, people got tired of. Uh, well, well, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Manufacturers realized people got tired of. Uh, was it called a personality module? Uh, you know, that does sound familiar. I, I'd have to fire up the old website <laughs> to uh, look at that. But yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that's right. Personality module. Um, but I like the bite saver. Just kind of neat. Because personality module was already taken. <laughs> and that's it for the show. So soon? Yeah, it feels like it. But I no. should have talked more about my heating system. <laughs> So guess what? Last year, we're not doing it this year, but last year we did a really, I know you know this, Jeff, but yes. we did a really, really special and a particularly great show, and it was a holiday memories show. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I was really impressed by the submissions we got for that. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, we're going to push that a little bit more this year, so revisit that, or if you haven't listened to it, uh, do yourself a favor and check it out. There'll be the link in the show notes, but it's our holiday memory show from uh, the holidays of 2014. And we had, uh, you know, let's link over to it real quick. Let's really talk it up. How many different people did we have submit? About one, two, three, four, I want to say five, it's six, seven, year eight, ago. nine, ten. I'm just going real quick. Like 12 or 13. And some of the people we had tell stories was Adam Rosen from the Vintage Mac Museum. Yes. Bill Lugjudis, I think I'm saying, I'm saying it right. Uh, author yes, of numerous books. Or, go ahead. Um, oh, no, it was, it was Bill of Judas. Yeah, Kevin Savitz. Yes, and he um, sent that cool picture. And Mark Greentree, Paul Hackstrom from RCR, Mike Whalen, who, friend of yours. Yep. And he, he did a couple of vintage vaults with you. He oh. did, and, and we started uh, e, EDBBS podcast for Bulletin Board Systems. That kind of went on hold for a little bit. Everybody got busy. What a jam-packed... You know what? Looking at this now, what a jam-packed... Oh, yeah. This is this is busier than... This was than, a great show. <laughs> ...than a 70s variety show. So... Yeah. We have all-star cast here. Without naming it, going down everybody's name, check it out because it's, it's good stuff. I'm going to listen to it again, too. So our next show is will be eBay Show 5. It's going to be released on Saturday. No, why did I do that? That's right, because we're back to Friday. Well, I, oh, that's right, because Friday is Christmas. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I guess we, won't, we may not I'll be releasing it on, on Christmas, Christmas Day. So we're planning to release it Saturday, December 26th. But, you know, we have to talk about it. We, it, it probably can do that. We may try to do it early, or, or maybe it'll be a day or so late. So tentatively, Saturday, December 26th, uh, we'll be moving now into the world of 32-bit and graphical user interface computing. And we are starting with the Apple Lisa and I and I put and related. 
So I think, um, I think that's a significant enough machine we can just stick with. And after that, we're going to do the Mac. So I think that kind of demands a, sh- a singular show, right? And, the, and then the Amiga, yeah. and then the the Atari uh, ST line. So I think we'll we'll kind of be doing singular shows for a while. Yeah, it's a great set of. Uh... And then the next, yeah, there's plenty of stuff we can find. I almost threw a next in this week. Somebody had just the next system, but there really wasn't much to talk about. He just basically said, <laughs> it's here and I don't know if it works. Okay. Didn't that kill you? You're going to see the trouble of, of uh, listing something. And, you, you know, I know you can, in most cases, especially a computer, it's just a standard cord. You can at least just see if it powers on. Nothing else. Yeah. A light on the front somewhere. It's got to do something. So you can find all of our show notes at historyofpersonalcomputing.com. Send feedback to feedback at historyofpersonalcomputing.com. And we really would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your email uh, comments or additions to what we're saying, history, as well as feel free to do audio. And we'll play it on the show. Yes, if you have stories and want to put your voice out there, we will definitely play your story for you. Or if you want us to read something, read your story. We'll do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, David goes into a nice little fireside chat type readings and he'll he'll do it all up for you. Tell someone about us, won't you? Or write a review on iTunes, help us spread the word with Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, uh, Pinterest. <sighs> what am I missing? Uh, what's the latest thing? I, I got to ask my kids what the latest thing is now. Uh, <laughs> what's the one that's, uh, that's sort of like Twitter? That's uh, pictures and stuff. Uh, well, that's Pinterest. The kids are it? doing. No, that's... Oh, the kids. Oh, what are the kids doing? Vine? No, that's that's short video. And then they have this other one out. <laughs> yeah, now. we're too oh, old. Gosh. I don't uh, know. I oh, but uh, one thing I, I still need to continue to plug here, and, and that's that um, um, retro challenge. Really, look at it. If you need a reason to uh, join up with other people around the world doing their own thing with their retro computers, look at it consider joining or just playing along, make it a month of retro um, or just follow along with what other people are doing. See what people are doing with their stuff. They're learning to create something new uh, that an old machine couldn't do before because nobody had the idea. It's, it's cool stuff. Just, you know, watching what people come up with and, you know, mine's a little lame, but Hey, I'm going to try it because it's been a long time since I typed in uh, a program or as, as uh, some article said, and I put this on my Twitter, some article said this is the a crazy way of installing apps. That's that's what they called typing in your software. Yeah. And crazy we, way of installing apps. And we'll get to mention it once more before the new year. So we'll make sure to talk about it next show. Oh, that other newfangled thing I was thinking of? Yeah, it's, I guess it's only been around for eight years or something. Instagram? Oh, Instagram. Okay. I thought you were going to say MySpace. Oh, you did say MySpace, didn't you? please please won't you post post about us on myspace <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and put a nice flashy blinky background on and aol screen. the aol forums please yes absolutely q link you'll find us on q link <laughs> so that's a wrap for this show remember buyer beware and take care of your old computers won't you yeah don't make them look like the one that <laughs> showed earlier <laughs> don't be a dirty amstrad that's right <laughs> That's our new byline. <laughs> <laughs>